Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Christmas series of The Delicious Podcast with me, Jilly Smith. This week I'm talking turkey with farmer Paul Kelly, who tells me that it wouldn't be Christmas without a wild bird. Paul's bronze turkeys have been endorsed by Delia, Nigella and Jamie Oliver, not just for their excellent flavour, but for the high welfare that sets them apart from the flock. I joined him in the woods, which are home to his famous birds, and asked if this vast amount of space is all for them. That's right. This is um, wood. Actually, we've had this wood now for over ten years, and this was the first woodland we used. Um, and back then, it was really pioneering stuff because we were free-ranging our turkeys anyway, with a building and going out into the fields. And then I was thinking about it, thinking, what can we do that's better? And of course, really wild turkeys. True, they don't live in sheds with pasture. You know, they live wild and originally in the forests of Mexico. Um, and I was actually flying into Stansted and looked out the window and saw all these lovely pockets of woodland on farms that actually were a wasted asset. Farmers weren't doing anything with them, and of course that's turkey paradise. Yeah. So I came straight back and I thought, got to find a woodland locally. Um, this is the first one, and we've had this now for 12 years, and it's lovely. It goes against all conventional wisdom and all the... In what way? Well, you have guidelines. It's not legislation, but guidelines and welfare, and they say that you need, for every 25 kilos of live weight, you have to provide one square metre of um, building, which I kind of get, you know, but... Who says that? Um, it's welfare guidelines. Animal, no, not the turkeys. Exactly <laughs> the turkeys what, don't want to be inside, do they? And when we started to do this, you know, we got loads of trouble from lots of people saying, you know, you can't, you've got to provide the turkeys buildings, what about the rain, the wind... So I said, well, before you start preaching like this, come and have a look. Yeah. And of course they come up and they say, that's great. And what's bizarre is on the way up here, you know, you drive past a field full of sheep and they're all right. Yeah. Everyone's quite happy for them to be out and the cattle, they're all right. Well, the reason turkeys have feathers yeah, is because they wax up and they oil up and that protects them from the rain. Yeah. So they're not actually naturally meant to live inside little buildings. Aren't they just like every other feathered thing, like a duck? You don't put ducks inside. A, a lot of... It depends on when you hatch the chicks. Okay, you could not do this with normal, normal standard fresh turkeys that you get in the supermarket because they don't hatch until August, September because they're much younger at Christmas. You have to hatch them natural season as nature intended. So they hatch late spring. So you see their little babies going through late spring in the summer. So by the time they come to autumn, they're mature. Yeah. They've got their feathers fully developed and the fat laid down so they can cope with inclement weather. Yeah. 
the term is slow growing as opposed to fast growing turkeys. Now the turkeys you get in most supermarkets will be fast grown, kept in barns, huge barns, and will live for what nine to twenty four weeks or something. Your average fresh turkey will be about twelve weeks of age. Yeah, so they yeah. hatch September time. And these ones? Six months. So they've got a lovely life for six months Uh and you grow them specifically for Christmas. That's right, yeah. I mean, these slow-growing strains, they're expensive. You know, to grow, you just look at that, the farming costs of six months versus the farming costs for 12 weeks. Yeah, they're huge, the food costs, the implications. But what happens is you're getting a turkey that is fully mature. So it's gone through all its teenage years, it's got skeletal development, it's laid all its, its meat down. And finally, the last thing that happens is it lays down its fat, you know, and that intramuscular fat brings a huge amount of flavour to the carcass, and their carcass got bone marrow, it's not just cartilage. So it's all those little nuances that make a beautiful, you know, Christmas lunch. As a turkey farmer, I could just punch me angry when people say, they heard, they heard that, that. <laughs> yeah, shh. You don't know what you're saying, guys. <laughs> you know, as a turkey farmer, when people say turkey's dry, it hasn't got, you know, that really winds me up, because... Yeah. The, the taste is from the maturity, which is slow growing. Because people want a five kilo turkey at Christmas. Well, if you're um, processing a turkey when it's twelve weeks, it's the right weight, yeah. but it hasn't got any. It hasn't laid all its meat down, yeah. and its carcass hasn't fully developed, yeah, and it hasn't laid any fat down, you know. And it's all those differences that make for a wonderful meat at Christmas. Combined with cooking instructions, you know, yeah. cooking instructions for turkeys are outrageous. Go on. Oh, well, you know, I mean, most people cremate their turkey at Christmas. If you look at the Food Standards Agency and all, you know, because they all, there's this big thing, isn't there, about cooking your turkey overnight. Getting up at three in the morning and cooking it long and slow for 12 hours. Well, that was right. That could have been right 300 years ago because when people were walking turkeys to the Christmas market, if they didn't sell them at Christmas, they walked them back again. Now, once a turkey goes over 29 weeks, 30 weeks, it starts to get tougher. Okay. So, back 300 years ago, if that turkey had walked to market, you know, one year and then gone back again and come here and done a lot of miles, and it would have been a tough old bird. So this was to be safe and to be sure you would braise your turkey in case you got a yearling, as it was called. You don't get that anymore. There is not one turkey that is kept from one Christmas to the next. The food costs are too expensive. No one would do that. You know? But these 300-year traditions that people really don't understand why, they've stuck. And, you know, when people... If you cook a turkey for 12 hours in the oven of an agar, the chances of that being good are slim or none, to be honest. You can get it right. But that's by luck rather than actual judgment. Well, we'll talk about how you cook your yeah, turkeys yeah. later and what you do for your Christmas lunch. God, every time I mention Christmas, they get they get a bit of talking about your lovely lives i do feel a bit bad standing here so yeah well i know them. i would have done but i don't have a turkey for christmas all right guys <laughs> is that a cheer <laughs> was a cheer, was that a cheer? <laughs> let's talk about the story of kelly's turkeys your uh-huh. parents started the, the family business back in the 80s going out on a limb to do something radically different in the, in the yeah no that's industry. right actually it was 1971 when my father first started the business Back then we were producing, you know, I was, what, nine, eight years old, um, producing nice white turkeys, you know, slow-growing breed and plucking them and putting them into the Smithfield market that butchers bought from. Um, but supermarkets were taken over, so our traditional market, which were independent butchers, you know, they were going to Smithfield market to buy their turkeys. Less and less butchers, yeah, and then in the early 80s there was a massive oversupply on Smithfield market, so prices crashed and we were pretty much bust. You know, for all intents and purposes um, so we had to do something radically different so I went off to America and studied worked on a 
probably the best turkey breeder in the world, Paul Orlock, um, and worked with him learning out breeding turkeys. Dad went round the country and bought the last remaining flocks of bronze turkeys, brought them back to the farm, about 280 of them. We put them together, so there's me, mum, dad, my sister, and two others. And we launched the Kelly Bronze in 1984, without any money. Um, we knew in our heart of heart it was the right thing to do. But I, I have to say, I think from 1984 to 88 were probably the worst years of my life, because it was... You know, it's, it's not, oh, it's not it an was. easy choice to do the right thing, is it? No. But you, know, you have a guardian angel in Delia Smith. I know, yeah. Well, Delia came to the farm in 1989 saw what we were doing, you know, loved what we were doing, and then she put us in her Christmas book, um, and suddenly we were taken seriously, suddenly everyone, the, then, and I, that was great actually, because then the phone started to ring, rather than me going round to butchers and trying to sell these, in my heart of heart it was the right thing for them to do, yeah. you know, they had to do something different, we were free ranging, we were drug free, we were bronze turkey, we were dry plucking them, we were, we were doing everything that the supermarkets were not. Yeah. Um, then Delia endorsed it, and boom. What was that? <laughs> Something made them jump. It wasn't Delia. So yeah, so Delia came along with the Delia effect has, and it was. Uh, yeah. It's quite yeah. extraordinary what effect yeah. one person's patronage oh, can, yes, can it have. Was, uh, followed by by Jamie, of course. Jamie yes. did a, a programme here. Kill it cook and eat it. We've done Which was what which was actually a very early um, exploration of what happens in the slaughterhouses yes he yes. wanted he was on a mission to try and show people where food actually came from that's right I think it feels like a long time ago yeah. that he even had to do that but it was probably getting on for 10 or 12 years yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and there, so the Jamie effect and of course Nigella writes about yeah. it as well yeah oh we've been we've been you know, I say lucky you know you make your own luck do you I mean but if you do the right thing that was you know in the early in the 80s when it was horrible because yeah, we didn't have any money and we knew we were doing the right thing but when you, 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 we felt really as if we were, you know is this really going to work because you need a in any business even though we're a small family business you need a critical mass yeah, for it to work and we weren't there and we were struggling and just working all hours got sent to, to make this work but then I don't resent any of it because now of course I wake up every morning and think how lucky am I no, it's, a, it's a wonderful yeah. story tell me what happened in 2017 when activists yeah, 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 said yeah. that they had found video footage that's right, that's right. of dead turkeys yeah, in sheds yeah, yeah. oh it's horrible and I mean I, I would say that's disease is the biggest single threat to our business you know but the media especially with social media now because you know what for all the will in the world if you can you can make a farm like that you know if you take a few dead turkeys and put them on the on the ground it looks like horrendous and there's nothing you can do with it is that what happened they planted dead turkeys well you know the vets came along independent vets came along after you know? and if we were doing something wrong we would have been prosecuted and we weren't it was very obvious you know the turkeys when they're up to five weeks of age they have to be grown in sheds right. you know? it's not until they're off heat you know which is then away from other nature's well yeah we have breed, all our breeding stock in sheds you can't let our breeding stock outside because they would be we would be in the poultry welfare scheme so then we wouldn't be allowed to sell outside the county in the country. So, and you know what? Hidden cameras now, technology. If, if you have a camera on a farm in a shed 24-7, there will be something at some point in time in livestock farming that doesn't look nice. Right? But, you know, like in this shed, you know, this is wonderful. But there will be turkeys over the next few weeks that will get pecked and bullied. Right? And I would have to come in and you have to dispatch them. Right? But, of course, if there's a camera up there, me coming in, seeing this turkey, just picking it up and wringing its neck... You know, that would be horrendous, wouldn't it? But of course, as a farmer, 
you put an animal out of its misery. And nature would be far crueler because I would dispatch it quickly. What will happen here is if you've got what, a weak one, a weak one in the flock, they peck it to death. Right? And that is a long, slow, painful death. Yeah. I'll come in as a farmer and I'm doing the right thing. But of course, if that's shown on camera, I'm not doing the right thing. What an evil man am I, going in and just picking that turkey up and killing it for fun. And it's all... I'm not saying there aren't... You know, there are situations that... If you're a farmer, you know, you'd love to be there 24 hours a day, every single minute of the year, and there will be things that get missed. But if ever we see anything, you know, you put things right. Your type of farming have an impact more widely on the turkey industry or on the wider farming industry. The, the farmers have, are having such a terrible time at the moment with veganism, uh, with with a lack of understanding perhaps mm-hmm. amongst the general public about what's really required from farming, from well, modern farming. I've been very vocal about that. I've often said to you know the farming industry, it's mu- it's much better now than it was, you know, and, but. It seemed bizarre to me. One of the big reasons that we've done so well and had lots of wonderful media and people that have been daughters is because I've opened the farm up. If people phoned me 10, 20 years ago, can I come and see the turkey? Of course you can. I'll pick you up whenever you want. Let's go. I'd love to show you about Because I have nothing to hide. Now, of course, if someone phones up, not now, but the bigger companies historically, can we come and have a look? Oh, can't we? You know, there's a panic in the boardroom. There's a, you know, a PR company from London comes out and there's a big discussion and they want to see what we do. And if, in my opinion, if you're not willing to show your customer mm. what you do, mm. then maybe, don't, you know, by default, you've got to ask yourself a question. No, absolutely. No? And, I, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that the, 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 the poultry industry in the UK is one of the best in the world. And of course we have X. By a turkey. I already said I'm not going to have turkey for Christmas, all right? See the shiny bits. Yeah. No, I, I've often, you know, in the industry, the British industry, this type of production is very expensive. Yes. Very expensive. And not everyone, you know, we're in that luxury market where the people can afford this, but this kind of turkey are very lucky. Yeah. You have to have something to feed the nation. And we can't do that in this way. You do have to have, you know, the intensive sector. And in my opinion, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, mm. right? but it has to be managed and done very, very well. Yeah. What about grain? What Do you feed them organic grain? Um, no, our wheat isn't necessarily organic. The only difference between what we do and organic is um, that the wheat may or may not have been sprayed at any point in time. But you see, this kind of production, you can this, this is not organic. We yeah. wouldn't get approved yeah. to do this organic because we need to have a building to go with it. Well, exactly, but there's a kind of a, a, a midway, isn't there, with called agroecology, which uh-huh. is the kind of the non-certified yeah. organic. It's yeah. the good way of farming. Um, and that has always been my opinion on it, that... Organic's great, and free range is great, but you know you can use all these fancy words, but it's got to be within the spirit of things. And you know we can produce organic turkeys and free range that are way cheaper than the Kelly Bronze. Yeah. Right? But it might, that's what I want to do because yeah. it wouldn't be wouldn't be growing it long enough in the way I want to do. Yeah. And the feed necessarily wouldn't be the right formulation for what yeah. we want to do because we use, you know, we use actually whole oats in our ration that are fed raw from the field. Yeah. And turkeys love oats, and it produces a great finish. She really does like you. <laughs> me don't you I'm, I'm very touched thank you um pecking away at me the livestock argument yeah a lot of people are turning to vegan what's your argument when people say livestock is contributing to greenhouse gases i think there's no doubt it does 
you know, and I think you know beef has a you know pretty high carbon footprint, and we're huge beef eaters. On behalf of the poultry industry, poultry is the best of the lot. You know, you got poultry and fish; it is the best of the lot. Um, but you know, I genuinely, free range. It's um, but to say that we shouldn't eat meat, I think that's wrong. Should we eat less meat? Yes, I think we should. Yeah. Right? I think we should be. You know, there's far too many people just have too much meat. You know, and I don't eat meat every day. If the, you know, there'd be plenty of days I'll just eat vegetables because it's a balanced diet, isn't it? Yeah. But the meat I do eat, I want to know where it's come from, and you know, it's going to be um, bred genuinely for with a bit of passion behind it. Absolutely. It's not hard. One of the good things about livestock is that they poo and wee on the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good for the land, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that's what the, this woodland here, you see these turkeys will come in in late June, and this was just full of nettles, yeah, and they've just eaten all of that. These will be going out at the end of November into Lairidge, and of course, so we've got all the, the winter will come along, so the hard winter will kill any of the microbes or the parasites that are in the ground. Then everything will grow back up, and then we release the turkeys back into here in June, July. And it's, they've been here for 11 years, and it's just, you know, it's great. And, of course, it increases the biodiversity in, in that you get lots of little insects yes, eating, yeah, eating at all yeah, the poo and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So although you're not organically certified, you don't use any pesticides on this land, the, the turkeys are not pecking at grass uh, that has been sprayed. Yeah, no, these are, these, this hasn't had any artificial fertiliser or any spray on it for 12 years now. After the break, Paul tells me how to cook a Christmas wild bronze turkey. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I, always, I do a lot of master classes, and I always say that cooking, there's no one, there is no one right way or wrong way of cooking a turkey. There's hundreds of different recipes and ideas. It's all about time and temperature. The, the higher the temperature, the lower the time. Yeah, the lower the temperature, the longer the time. So, what I always say is keep it simple. You know, and if you get one of these types of birds that is fully mature, that's got all intramuscular fat, it's got a great covering of skin and intramuscular fat, 
It's got lots of bone marrow. It's got a great carcass deposition. You don't. You can just keep it simple. Now, all this thing about basting a turkey and putting tin foil over it and then adding stock cubes, all that came about as as all poultry and not just turkeys but chickens. As they were being killed younger and younger and younger, you've got a lot less fat, a lot less flavour. Okay? So you put the tin foil over it to keep the moisture in because the fat isn't there, right? and then you baste it. You know, and you put butter under the skin because you know nothing's there. So you you have to give it some help. And then the stock cube, of course, because it's okay, it hasn't got any bone marrow or carcass, so you need to add a stock cube to it to give it some flavour. If you get one of these birds, you put it pressed down in the oven, season it with salt and pepper, because the, most, of the, most of the fat deposits are in the back. So for the first hour, that fat's rendering down through the breast. After an hour, you turn it over, yeah, and then after about half an hour after that, you put the meat thermometer in that we supply, and when it's up to temperature, you take it out. So it's, um, and I, a great analogy for me is... Um, treat it like a big chicken and those people get freaked about cooking their Christmas turkey all it is guys especially with one of these it's just a big chicken you just put it in the oven and with the meat when it's at the right temperature you take it out one one important point I should say is always put a pint of water in the bottom of the, the roasting tin that's not to keep it moist or anything like that but what that does do is catch all the wonderful juices that you're going to get out of this bird and then you will have a stock that you do not need to add anything to. Yeah. No, no, bestow or grain. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it is important to say when you talk about a big chicken, I mean, a big chicken is artificially fed and because... It, and they're grown longer, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. But, I mean, you know, I, the point of these is that they are the right weight. When people are looking at a weight of a turkey, give us three things to look for when they're choosing their turkey, if they can't afford a Kelly's bronze. OK. Well, you want to really, it's a... Uh, look at the skin. If, it has, if it's got a, it's got a nice creamy white skin, and if you can see some subcutaneous fat in there, that's a good sign. That means there's a bit of maturity there. And also, if the breastbone is really prominent in the bag, yeah, that means it's been killed very, very young. Yeah, because it hasn't had time to, for the breast meat to fill out. Mm. So it's just looking for if, if the breastbone is really prominent, it's really young. And there's nothing wrong with eating that, you know. But you know, and I always say, if you're going to spend twenty quid on the turkey, don't expect. No, some festive delight that's not going to happen right? it's gone yeah. it can't yeah. but so it's just looking for maturity so it's you know fat under the skin a nice creamy skin colour and a breastbone that isn't too prominent yeah lovely now we're actually recording this pre-Brexit if it happens yeah what would be the impact on you if, if we didn't have access to the European labour market um, I have you know I've, we've looked at it and we would downsize this business by 80%, 70%, 80% at least, to what myself, the family, and a few other, you know, of our key full-time staff, but without seasonal labour, you know, we're plucking turkeys for six weeks of the year. Yeah, so. And why don't local people want the um, Well, if I go back to when I was a boy, you know, 40 years ago, we, the whole village would come and pluck turkeys. We got most of our turkeys plucked in the evenings at weekends. So after work, and of course... The school kids could come, and we'd all be earning lots of money, and, you know, we earning a lot of money then. You know, if you're a fast plucker, you can earn a lot of money. Um, I mean, do you pay well enough for local yeah, people to want it? Local people don't want it. It's not about money. It's about I'm not doing that job. You know? And now, if I look at my, you know, all of my children have gone to university, and they're going to come out and think, all right, pluck turkeys. You know, there's the, I think the younger generation of Brits coming out, they're looking for management roles, and the service industry and you know it's not about getting your hands dirty and plucking turkeys at christmas and of course we can only offer six weeks work 
you know, come January, we haven't got any work, so it is all, it's very, very seasonal. And, and even, you know, we've, without the Eastern European, I just get chest pains thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, we are in the run-up to Christmas now. Yeah. The story of Brexit has been rumbling on for three years. How have you been able to plan? Um, well, we've had the same crew come back to us for the past 15, 20 years. You know, since ni- the early 90s, when those doors opened, um, it's revolutionised, you know, it changed our business. We've got definitely till 2000, and we've got another two Christmases without any doubt. And the, all, the policy at the moment is if you are an EU national and you're going to stay in the UK for less than three months, you're allowed to work. If you want to go over three months, um, then you have to apply for a visa and then you'll have to be, you know, rated with what kind of profession you're in and if we actually need you. Yeah. But the, um, the demand for... And it really annoys me as well when people say unskilled workforce. The people plucking turkeys and packing our turkey, it's a skilled job. Mm. And these people have been trained for five years, 15 years. So it's not a matter of just, you know, anyone can do it. They really can't. It's skilled labour. Um, and we pay well. It's not all about minimum wage. We give bonuses and we provide accommodation at really good rates. So people are taking a lot of money home in their pockets at the end of those weeks' work. So people say you should pay more. It's not about pay. Yeah. It's not about pay at all. It's about people genuinely wanting to come and do the job. And I say, anyone, anyone that's in the UK that wants to work has a job. Yeah. That's my opinion. I know around here, just for trying to get, you know, trying to get a camera, it's just it's a nightmare. They're just not out there. Yeah. This is my, this is my little test pen. Now this is my pen. So you've got bourbon red turkeys here, some red turkeys. You've got bronze here. You've got narragansetts. You've got these white, that white colour there. Yeah. Well, that hatch for the first five weeks of its life, it was brown. Then they joined, so it just all about feather colours, you see. But yeah. the original, that's the bronze. You can see the feathers, yes, the bronze. Beautiful thing. That is the original feather colour. Every other colour you see here is a mutation of that bronze feather gene. And of course, it looks like the original Thanksgiving turkey. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Because that's what it yeah, was. That's what it was. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. Boys and girls, you don't put the yeah. boys down at bath. No, you can see here, you've got the ones, they're strutting. They mm-hmm. might just be, they're getting to the age now, because only the males gobble. They're getting to the age, let's see, see if we can get them to gobble. <laughs> there we go, you see. He's speaking they're turkey. Just, <laughs> you'd never guess what I said. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. Next week, I'll be back with New Zealand chef Peter Gordon, who cooks up what he just can't do without on his Christmas table. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 